Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. I've been fucking bullied into doing the intro, um, which I don't like because I'm fucking autistic and I like things to happen the same way in the same pattern. And I think Matt just does these things to fucking wind me up. Um, so that's good then. Uh, today we're going to talk a wee bit about the the mission and the ethos behind why Built to Coach was born. I think sometimes, um, a lot of the time when I see people set up like new businesses and stuff, they do it for all the wrong reasons. They do it because they think it's going to be a good idea, or they think it's going to be easy income, or they think that it's going to be make, it's going to make them a millionaire. Um, and we're very aware that all of these things are very, very unrealistic. And I think when you're when you're focusing a bigger purpose and a bigger mission for the impact that you want to have, it almost means that you're never really like let down. You don't really get affected by the ins and outs of building a business and the challenges that come along with it. Although the challenges do affect you. The mission and the ethos and the purpose of it is what always guides you. Um, so today we're going to let you in, in a wee bit of a behind the scenes of our process and why it was born, why we decided to do it and helping you to recognise that if you are a person who is either working with a health and fitness coach or looking to work with a health and fitness coach, many of them have actually never been taught how to coach. Um, which is mad considering how many of them identify as a coach as their job um, when nobody's actually taught them how to coach, what coaching is. Um, bit mad, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Let me just say, bravo. What an introduction. We're basically talking about like how do we do the intro, what will we call this episode, and Jen articulated it better than me, so she got bullied in to start that, because I actually gave a recommendation before we started the recording, then I jumped for a piss, and then I forgot exactly what I said. Usual. <laughs> Usual stuff, but no, it is mad, like, I think, especially with so many coaches, so many coaches think that coaching is what they've been told it is throughout the industry, which we've spoke, obviously, previously about when it comes to like teaching and mentoring, teaching people, giving them like knowledge gaps and then information so that they know why a process is the way that it is. And also just kind of telling them what to do based upon what's worked for them or what they've told other clients to do that could apply it to their journeys because again, they've done it themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the other variable here with coaching is a lot of personal trainers, obviously, uh, they're naturally kind of into sport in different realms, whether that be boxing, whether that be football, whether that be basketball. And I think so many of them think that coaching is just like the man management or the women management that you see in these sports as well. Mm -hmm. So obviously that is a part to do with it, but you're never going to be able to develop your own coaching skill to know how to do that with the people inside of your program if you don't actually have a coaching process. Because the reason why these coaches are so great in sport is because they're already working with people who are very high achieving, right? Mm -hmm. If you've managed to get to that level of sport, then you're working with action takers already. You're working with people that have the skill, that have the ability, that have the have the understanding that the responsibility is on their shoulders to show up for a particular reason because they'll get paid more money over time or they'll get a transfer to a bigger club or they'll be able to gain more endorsements. Like they can build a livelihood off of that. But I think it's quite difficult when coaches are working with, let's say, general population people who are not maybe into sport naturally um, themselves. Maybe they like to watch it, yes, but they've maybe never went through a process themselves where they've been a really top high achiever. And I think they struggle to understand how they can then manage 
the expectations of those clients and guide them through a process when they don't have those kind of skills and abilities. Yeah. Actually, you know, and they don't actually have that that born talent because a lot of these people, even though yes, you have to work extremely hard to get to that that level of um, sport and recognition in your sport, a lot of these people already have a very good level of talent already. They just have to keep on working on it to make it better. Um, so I think those are the variables that make people feel as if they're, they're coaches. Like I've read these books on leadership, on how, on man management, women management, whatever it may be. And I know what's worked for me and I know a shit ton about these topics. So that should work. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that's where, that's where coaches end up fucked up because they base so much of the success of the coaching relationship on their clients' characteristics that they then seek out similar clients with the same characteristics and assume that that's the formula for success. When in reality, like, if you think about, like, if you worked in any other job, you wouldn't get the opportunity to be selective about who you work with, right? And for many coaches, they actually don't get an opportunity to be selective about who they work with or the kind of people that they work with because they need to make money, they need to pay the bills. But I feel like this is something that I watch trip coaches up all the time. They have such a lack of self-awareness around what they bring into the coaching relationship that they base every part of the success of the coaching relationship on the client, the client's characteristics, the client's drive, the client's focus, but it's the coach's responsibility to help the client identify those and change those. And also, so many coaches are completely unaware of what they are bringing into the dynamic that's preventing success from being possible, right? Like we had a great moment on um, our Built to Coach education session yesterday um, where I talk constantly about the parallel process, right? Everybody's fucking sick every time they're like, oh, fuck, is this a parallel process? Um, but the parallel process is basically, it's ba- it's based on the theory of um, transference and counter-transference, psychological theory. So transference and counter-transference is mostly studied and understood in the realm of therapy, but it happens in coaching as well. Um, but in coaching, we refer to it as the, as the it's, we see it play out as the parallel process. Um, and a lot of the time, this is when, this happens when the client and the coach are experiencing a similar situation and the coach, it differs slightly in coaching and that sometimes it can cause the coach to feel almost incompetent in dealing with the situation that the client's facing because they think, well, I'm struggling with this as well. How the hell am I supposed to help them? Or they're completely unaware that there's a parallel process going on and they're both experiencing the same thing. Um, with transference and counter-transference, it's more around kind of like expectations. So... Um, a client might like a client in a therapy relationship for example might be scared to open up to their therapist because they remind them of their mum do you know what I mean so like that would be more like that's more in the therapy dynamic whereas in coaching we we use uh, transference and counter-transference to understand how it influences the parallel process and there was a great moment um, on yesterday's education session where uh, one of our students realised that has has uh, he asked a question about one of his clients who had kind of reached a threshold point with their training, their weight loss journey. They always reach this point where they never go beyond there. And then when they reach that point, they start to become disengaged. They've made progress in the past, but they've never moved past this point. And when they start to lose interest and in, like the process as a whole, um, 
he's like, I just know that a turn message is coming. Like, I just know that he's going to leave. And so he was asking me a question about, like, how do I help the client? And I was like, I'm going to pause right here because this has almost nothing to do with the client and everything to do with how you're, how you're approaching this situation, how you're interpreting it as coach, right? So I was like, hold on, stop, everybody stop. I get really dramatic, as, as you see, eh? <laughs> when I see these things happening because all the dots connect in my brain. And um, what I, I took a minute to kind of stop him and recognise was happening was that, so at first I was like, where's the assumption that the churn message is coming? And he was like, well, I've been through this before with other people. So I just know the churn message is coming. And I was like, okay, huge assumption. Next stop is, how does that then change how you interact with him? Oh, well, and he was very honest. And he was like, honestly, I probably like speak to him a lot less. I don't reach out to him. I probably change my tone with him and I'm probably not as proactive in supporting him because I just know instinctively he's going to leave. And I was like, so watch then how he interprets that behaviour. So he's at a threshold point where he's considering leaving you th- you're at a threshold point where you think he's going to go and both of you are interacting with one another differently so I was like so look at how he's at a threshold point with his training I said then how what is this how does this feel for you how is this showing up for you and he was like this is exactly how I feel about my business he's like I feel like I'm never pushing through to that next level I'm always just sitting around this point and I wonder if I'm ever going to get to the next stage so I was like so the context here is different but emotionally psychologically you and him are experiencing the exact same thing your brain doesn't have a map for the next stage of this journey so when you get to your threshold point your brain tells you this is where we bow out mate because we don't know what to do beyond this point he's hired you specifically to help him with this but because you're struggling with this in your business you then feel within yourself i don't have the capacity to help him with that because i don't know how to do it for myself but the reality is when the parallel process is working well, you can both go through that journey together, right? And I said to him, like, you can actually have a conversation with him to say, although the context is different here, I completely understand how you're feeling with this because I feel the same about something else in my life. How do we work together to navigate our way through this? How do we push past the threshold point how do we become comfortable with not really knowing how this next stage works because we've never been here before and having a conversation and recognition about the process that is happening, right? Not just the tangible above the surface. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Like, of course they've tried it. Of course they've considered it. They've tried fucking everything if he's done this before, right? This is not about the things that he needs to do, but how he feels about what he needs to do. And he was like, oh my God, I've never thought about it like that before. Like it was a huge insight moment for like, I think quite a lot of people when they recognised that it was what the coach was bringing to the dynamic that was stopping the relationship from moving forward and pretty much nothing to do with how the client was moving forward and what happens, I think, traditionally in health and fitness coaching is that coaches feel I've exhausted everything with this person. They're probably going to leave anyway. And I don't know how to take them beyond this point. I don't know how to help them move past this problem. So they're going to disengage. I'm going to disengage. And I'm going to prepare myself when the next turn message comes. So you almost walk yourself into that inevitable process without even recognising that that is your inevitable process that you continue to repeat time after time after time after time. And you wonder why your turn is high, why your retention's shite. Like because you're not taking time to understand what is the actual process that is at play here and this dynamic between these two human beings. And I honestly think this is what's going to give 
are built to coach students such an advantage over other coaches is because this isn't just about teaching them the tools and the frameworks and the strategies. This is about helping them to identify what are the psychological processes that are happening in this relationship dynamic between the two of us, not just how do I plug these things in to help my clients, but actually how do I take time to recognise what I'm bringing, the self-awareness. And one of the, I think one of the guys said as well in the chat, he was like, I've just realised how much I'm actually going to learn about myself over the next six months. And it's like, that's so crucial in coaching because you have to understand what you bring, how you behave, the questions that you ask. That changes the whole dynamic. It changes the whole process. Like it changes the whole journey for the person because you're the navigator. So of course you need to know what you're bringing, how you're influencing it, how you're influencing their behaviour, fears that they potentially have, right? Fears that you maybe have of them, right? That counter-transference of they remind me of my teacher at school. What if, like, they think I'm an idiot? So I don't want to tell them these things in case they think I'm stupid. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to go and read fucking five books before I respond to their WhatsApp message and just being aware of all the dynamics that exist in the relationship that sometimes prevent coaching from being possible as opposed to pinning all their success on their, assum their assumed characteristics of a high performer, when nine times out of ten, it's what they're bringing to the dynamic, it's what they're bringing to the relationship that's stopping when preventing good coaching from taking place. Mixed in with their own bias as well, yeah. as to what they think the client should be doing at that point. And, you know, I think we've, we've spoke about this before in, in so many different ways, and it was just, it's always just been such a simple term, like in the forefront of my mind, like you can't coach from a place that you've never been. Um, and I think that is what holds so many coaches back because they are, maybe the, uh, this example specifically, the, the guy was a business owner, ran multiple businesses, done very well for himself, couldn't prioritize time to train or get past this point with his weight. And as you kind of said there, I think so many coaches as well look at the individual like the, the status, the authority that they potentially have in a specific industry or within a particular career. And they say, well, inside my business, like I'm not doing that well. Am I going to look like a wee stupid guy? Am I going to look like a, a lassie, a wee lassie that doesn't know fuck all? So how can I possibly move them through this journey that they're, they're struggling with? And this kind of comes back to what we spoke about before, that coaching has nothing to do with what's actually happening, but it's it's more about the process in which you apply to make sure that you can guide them through it. And one of the most powerful things I think that happened at the end yesterday was when we spoke about actually having that conversation with the client, like yeah. actually telling them, listen, I don't have the answers right now. Yeah. I, I don't know like how this is going to look, but why don't we go on this journey together? And I can honestly firmly say, see when I, a very long time ago, gave myself permission to not know all the answers for clients, but say, listen, I will go find out if it was like an information gap or I'll go on this journey with you. Mm -hmm. Respect me so much more because they no longer looked at me as this type of person that just knew fucking everything, was so much further ahead than them and they were actually more willing to engage with me. But do you think that's potentially why so many coaches as well fail because they're so worried and they're, they're, they're panicking about not communicating to the client that they don't have the answers? Yeah, 100%, because then if you communicate to the client, you don't have the answers, you have to admit to yourself that you don't know all the answers. And I think that something that's a really common misconception is that coaching is a knowledge transfer basis. Like, it's not a knowledge transfer. Everything that your clients need to know 
all the information that they need to have about what they want to achieve is available to them in the world. So they're not looking for a knowledge transfer. And this is why we obviously created the hybrid coach model, um, the first of its kind in the industry, by the way. Um, so the reason that we created the hybrid coach model was to help health and fitness coaches understand that they do coach in context some of the time, but the coaching in context takes place more in a mentoring teaching role, whereas the actual coaching aspect is the application of that information and how that information then applies to particular challenges someone faces along the way to the outcome. So I think the issue that a lot of coaches run into is they become heavily dependent on a teaching mentoring approach and then when they realize that they don't have information on something they see it as like a major gap in their knowledge or something that's going to prevent them from being able to help a client and it's like if you've if somebody who runs a very like big massive successful business has hired you to help them with their health and fitness why are you giving a shit about what they think about you and your business because they've not hired you to help them with their business. They've hired you to help them with their health and fitness. So what happens in their business is only relevant to the conversation when they make it relevant. And I, I think this is something that people struggle with all the time where they maybe have someone who is in a key leadership position or they're in a business or they have like a high powered, high responsibility job and they say, I can't do that because of my work, right? And immediately you go, oh fuck, well I don't know what their work is like and that sounds like a big important job. So, you know, they probably can't do any of this because of their work. So how am I supposed to help them when I don't know what their work's like? And I mean, are they going to think that I'm a diddy because I'm an online coach and you know, I've got all this time to train, what are they going to think about me? Should I try and pretend that my business is the same and that I get it because I'm a business owner as well, right? And you spend so much time trying to preempt the judgment that they are passing in you without remembering that they've already made a decision to hire you on the basis of what they've seen of you because they want you to help them with the thing because they don't know how to do it, right? They don't know the answer around how to navigate this with their work, but there's a recognition that it has to change and that's why they've asked you. So the only time the the dynamic with work is relevant to the conversation is when they are giving you information around the different things that are not available to them and the different things that they are. So when we're approaching this with people, it's not about the context of what happens in their work. However, it's, it's more about, right, okay, if this is the goal, how do we need to navigate schedule, routines, things that you engage with on a regular basis, where do we need to change something to free up time to to invest in this goal, right? And the thing is, is like I coached leaders and chief execs and stuff for years. And for a lot of people, the work itself is not the issue. It's the way in which they approach the work. And don't get me wrong, in a lot of industries there are cultural expectations that you devote yourself entirely to the role that you won't make progress if you don't. And there are a lot of industries where toxic, excessive work practice is normalised. Like finance is a huge one um, where like people are just expected to work to three in the morning and it's not really a big deal and everybody does it, right? But I guarantee you that those people are not willing to change that, therefore are not likely to invest in a health and fitness coach, <laughs> right? So see this less as, oh my God, I don't understand the context of their work environment because I've never done it before, so I can't help them with their work. You're not helping them with their work. You're helping them navigate their health and fitness goal. So 
when we're helping them navigate their health and fitness goal, this is about how do I use my expertise of what works and help them to apply it to their context because you don't know their context, right? You don't understand it. You don't understand the dynamic. Don't try to because you never will because you've never done it. And even if you had done it and even if you had understood it, you're going to apply it to the context in which you understand it, not theirs, right? So they let you know what feels possible. They let you know what feels realistic, right? They lead the experiment. You hold the space for the experiment to take place. And I think when you can get creative with your coaching approach, like I say all the time, coaching is a science and an art. There is a balance of using like neuroscientific processes that we know will generate a result, but helping people to be creative and artistic about how they apply that to themselves and how they make this their own unique process, their own unique journey, the things that work for them and just helping them to create a high degree of intelligence around themselves and who they are and what they want and what they like and being up for being creative with it. Like I had a client once, <laughs> I had a private client who wanted to manage like overeating, right? So the thing that they overate on most was crisps and um, I had a conversation with them about how we turned their engagement with crisps and eat like an engaging fun routine so instead of having a conversation about don't eat crisps or why don't you cut up apple slices instead or why don't you ch chop up your own tatties and make crisps in the air fryer right none of that shit's going to work when they just want to open my bag of crisps and eat a fucking bag of crisps i'm not going to be fucking sitting slicing totties right so we created this game called Come Crunch With Me, which was where I got them to, when they did have Chris, I want you to sit mindfully and I want you to rate it in terms of texture, in terms of like crunch factor, flavour. Like I want you to make this like a fun game and an experiment. By proxy, they then reduced the volume of Chris that they're eating because they were no longer eating them mindlessly. They were eating them mindfully and looking for what they noticed. So body and mind were connected and eating the food, meaning the brain didn't associate it as an overeating activity, Right. That's called being creative. That's called being artistic. That's thinking on your feet, right? I knew that particular client would love something like that. Not everybody would. There are some people, if I said to them, let's turn you eating Chris into an episode of Come Down With Me, they would be like, fuck off. You're an absolute psychopath, right? So this is where you have to have the artistic and creative approach to recognise it as a process here that I want to help this person apply themselves to. But the person themselves has to direct it and decide if it's right for them because not everything that you think is great as a coach is going to work for or be right for individual people. 100%. And I actually want to go back to what you were saying before about um, coaches not trying to understand someone's situation, let's say, for example, in work. And you know where I see so many coaches fall down still with the coaching skill? The ones who never had kids, have a lot of clients that have kids mm. and then when they have a kid they go yes now they can't use their kids as an excuse because i know what it feels like yeah. i know exactly what it's like to have to go up in the middle of the night and sort a training schedule and breastfeed if you're a female coach or do the night feed if you're a you're a you're a male coach i've seen that so many times in the industry and it just mm. reinforces the fact that they don't understand what the client needs yeah. They're just trying to put themselves on this new pedestal and say, listen, I now know, so if I can do it, you should be able to fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. So what's that going to reinforce in your client? More shame, 
word guilt. There's somebody else who's doing better than me as a parent. There's somebody else who's managing to spin all the plates when mine are falling and crashing. Why can't I be like them? If they can do it, I should be able to do it. So why can't I do it? So instead of finding out for your client, actually, why can't I do it? What are my barriers? What are my challenges? You think that just reinforcing another whole load of shame and guilt on top of what they already feel is going to bring them success for what? For you to win a fucking ego war and pat yourself on the back and not be fully honest and transparent with them that you're also eating a packet of custard creams in the morning for your breakfast because you're so fucking sleep deprived you can't cope like and this and this is this is my other issue we there's a huge misunderstanding of empathy right i don't have children but i can empathize heavily with clients who do because i've watched enough people in my life have kids and I see firsthand how fucking tough it is for them. I don't need to feel and experience that to be able to realise and understand somebody else's version of events. If a client tells me, like, my, my baby's been up all night fucking spewing ill, I'm really worried about them, I'm tired, I'm not going to be like, well, you need to fucking suck it up and pull it together. I'm going to be like, right, you have no mental availability for the shit you would usually do. Let's pull it back. Let's manage the expectations. Let's focus on what is possible for you. But I don't want you to add any more additional strain on top of what you're already dealing with because that would benefit no one. I want you to spend time cuddling your shit kid who wants to be comforted by their parents. Why would I encourage you to do anything else? Because I'm a fucking human being. And like, it, it just, you don't need to have... You don't need to have a specific understanding or experience of what someone has gone through. Yes, you will have a higher degree of empathy when you feel it and you get it and you might have more to offer in terms of like suggestions and advice. But of course, I empathise with all of our clients who have kids and navigate the challenges that come with that. Like, And I'm never going to give you advice or recommendations on that basis because I don't get it I've never done it I can go and I can do what I like I'm a I'm independent there's nobody fucking waiting for me to feed them other than Paul so like I'm not going to try and tell you to do something different in a situation that I have no experience of I'm going to coach you to understand what feels available to you and what feels realistic to you on the basis of what you want to achieve but also challenge you to understand that if you allow yourself to go at that slower pace or you don't find strategies and ways of coping with things that happen routinely, obviously sickness is like not something that you would want to be happening every week, right? But when it comes to your specific routines and structures, if you can make peace with the progress of the goal being slower as a result of accommodating other things, that's fine. But if you don't want that, you want to accelerate it faster, then we do need to look at how you carve out more time, where you get more help. Do you know what I mean? So like, but that's directed by the client. Yeah, 100%. And it comes back again to coaches not being able to say, I don't have the answer for you because I'm not yeah. sure. But there's also a degree of judgment, I think, in here that stops the coaches from actually exploring those different opportunities. Like, I actually had a voice note from a client this morning. She had been away on holiday. She came back. She then had to travel for work for a couple of days. Miles away from home. Um, as a son that was not well not too long ago then when she came back he was up countless times during the night she hadn't been for a food shop she hadn't really had great sleep she was a bit more stressed she had a jet lag from coming home from her holiday all of that sort of stuff and she'd already been saying to me like this is what i'm going for this week and i was like listen and i know this client will by now like she has no issue working hard when she needs to work hard and if anything i think so many coaches judge a lot of their clients when they pull back and they don't want to give them the permission to, to pull back mm-hmm. because they think that the client, again, another assumption is just going to take full advantage of being told not to go to the gym or 
potentially even to like have more calories somewhere during the week because these are all combinations you can make to facilitate greater outcomes long term i think so many of them their own judgment then gets in the way and they're like well i'm able to smash it when this happens to me so you should be able to do it as well and i'd I'd made suggestions to to that client and she came back to me she was like you know what that's why i love being a part of this program because i do need to get my routines in check this week i do need to get my structures in check this week if i can manage one workout and one run i'll do it if i feel as if because she, she had a slight injury as well if I feel like I can't run then what I'll do is I'll get two workouts in and I'll do that as a bare minimum just until I get back on my feet because I was like listen if we approach it in this way come next weekend you're just going to be completely fucked you're going to be done in there, there's going to be no opportunity for you to go into next week to have the week that you truly want you've not got things organized you're not prepped your structures and routines have been all over the place you've been staying in hotels like you're going to feel completely out of sync. So why don't we just focus on this for now? And yeah. that's me giving her the opportunity to say, yes, because she holds the answer, as you said. Yeah. It's not a case of me saying this is what you should do. It's like, is this what you feel you should do? Mm-hmm. And this is this is okay if that's the case. And her coming back and saying, you know what? I'm so happy like that you said that. Yeah. Like, it's- <laughs> and coaches need to understand there's always going to be degree of fear and judgment as well from the client as to what the coach is going to say. And you need to create a, an environment where the, the client can trust you enough to not feel as if you're judging them for what they're not doing. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And it's funny because I feel like a lot of coaches think that they do this and they think that they they think that they are doing this, but actually what they're doing is like an over-supportive like smothering so it's almost as if um, a client knows that immediately if they present with a problem coach is going to say don't worry take it easy everything's fine like don't worry about anything just you look after yourself and then that happens again and it happens again and it happens again and then all of a sudden there's no actual coaching happening in the dynamic because it's just two pals where one pal can be arsed and say, so do you know what? I know they're just not going to challenge me anyway. They're not going to say anything. So I'm just going to tell them I can't be asked, right? And a coach who's sitting over here frustrated, thinking, fuck, I need to be more direct. I need to be more direct. So then they try and be more direct and they come across like a cunt mm-hmm. because they think that being direct means being an arsehole and it's not. Um, so they come across as too challenging. It comes across as judgmental. It comes across as probing, right? All of a sudden the client's like, well, fuck this. And the thing is, is that I watch so many coaches sit in the anxiety of, I need this person to get a transformation because I need social proof. So I need this person to do well and I need this person to get a transformation. And I've got nobody now who's approaching a transformation. Like everybody is just like, everybody's making progress, but they're nowhere near transformation levels. So I'm going to use my urgency and my need, right? And my business to influence how I coach this person. Okay. Here's here's a harsh fucking fact. Coaching and business are two separate entities. If you're in a coaching business and you do both roles, then you have to know how to do both roles, roles well. You cannot approach coaching with business strategies. You cannot approach business with coaching strategies. They are two entirely separate things, right? If you do both in your business, they will intersect. But when you interact with your clients, you are a coach and a coach only, okay? How the business works, how the business runs, Your client should never be fucking impacted by that if you are a good coach. And I'm fucking sick to death of seeing people use business urgency, business strategies, business tips 
to dictate how they interact with their clients. See, if you don't like fucking speaking to people and you don't like helping people and you can't be arsed, see some of the things, some of the shit I've heard coaches say about their clients are fucking melts, they're fucking, they just don't want it enough, they're fucking idiots. Like, why are you a coach? Why? Because see, if you're somebody that wants to just run a fitness business, right, at a low-ticket, high-number Facebook group and sell them shit that's not going to help them, you go and knock yourself out, right? If you're only interested in having fucking 10,000 followers and copying every reel that James Smith does and try and rehash it as your own idea with a sarcastic approach that isn't you, but you're just copying what he does because you think that's what success is, right? You want to charge them 100 quid a month for fucking bullshit meal plans that you didn't even create, you don't even know what's on them, right? With little to no interaction. You knock yourself out, but do me a favour, don't you fucking dare call that coaching or draw any comparison between that and what we do because they could not be further apart. And if you want to have a fitness business and you want to do all the business elements and the business aspects and be an entrepreneur, amazing. Go and do it. More power to you. Don't expect yourself to then also be, don't call yourself a coach, like, because you're not a fucking coach. And I feel like just being really clear and transparent here, we are probably not for those kind of people. Like if you're interested in coaching less or you have an intention to not spend as much time interacting with people, not spend as much time actually coaching, then Built to Coach probably isn't for you. Um, I would say we are much more for the people who are interested in being better and have an intention to keep coaching or an intention of building a team and a staff of coaches who they can teach how to coach properly so they're in good faith that they're handing the reins over to people who know what they're doing and if you don't pride yourself on high ethical professional standards then this probably this probably isn't the place for you um but it just fucks me off to see that comparison drawn so much and so many coaching decisions made that impact the client all from a coach's need in business. Like business needs are addressed in business, with business mentorship. So go there and do that. I couldn't have put that up myself. It actually fucking infuriates me. And I think as well, like I'm not too sure how many people will see it that are listening to this that aren't coaches, but there is a fucking sea of business mentorships out there now, right? A sea of them. And it's almost like they've all being childs of people who were in the industry to start with and then they've just mm. been arms and legs, created their own thing because, again, they were in coaching for money and then what they've done is they've done, oh, okay, do you know who has even more money usually than, than people day-to-day? Coaches. So why don't we start working with coaches? We'll start to line our own pockets even further and we'll just give them these bullshit tactics as to how they coach better because, see, the thing is, see, with every business mentorship, they also advertise we give you the systems. We give you what you need to be able to coach well. We give you what you need to be able to build an incredible community. We give you what you need to feel as if coaching is easy. Coaching bullshit. is not, bullshit. And coaching is not always easy. Coaching is only easy if you do it like the back of your fucking hand because you've been doing it for long enough, right? Mm. And I totally get it, right? I totally understand. Everyone's going to be in a place in their life where they feel as if they deserve to make more money, right, for the skill set that they have. People will get it in their day-to-day jobs. People will get it in their businesses when they put their prices up. Coaches are no different, right? And the thing is, like, I will back coaches up when I say a lot of coaches make very large investments of money into themselves over a number of years. And I'm, I'm one yeah. of them. Plus, at the same time, they sacrifice a lot of their fucking life to help other people. So you can understand it gets to a point where people are like, you know what, I'm probably not getting paid for enough. Mm-hmm. Paid for what I actually do, which is completely normal and within your own right to say then, 
I want to make more money. But see if you want to go and make more money. It's very similar to being employed in a job, right? Show me what else you're going to do or what you're going to do better to get paid more money. Yeah. Simple as that, right? Because see if you're just going to get paid more money to churn out shite results, to make people feel like fucking idiots, to judge people because they're not fucking action takers, to get as many people through the door as possible, to fill up a leaky bucket so that you have a specific amount of monthly revenue, then you're a fucking tosser. <laughs> and this is where so many people don't recognize that in any other job in life, you would never get paid more for not upskilling yourself and being better at your actual fucking job than in yeah. the fitness industry because it's, it's not regulated. And yeah. coaching has always been at the forefront of our mind. And it's funny when you say like building a team that is knowledgeable enough when it comes to coaching to be able to, to facilitate the, the, the clients you have, because you know, like obviously people would call you as my success coach and say, yeah, I'm still, I'm still living in the shadows of being your yeah, success coach. Which fucking pisses me off, right? Because I always, always had a vision for what I wanted to do. When business mentors told people that you bring in a success coach and you basically hand off your entire delivery so that you can build your business, that was never something I wanted to do. What I wanted to do, the vision and the mission was always, I want to build a team of skilled individuals that are smarter than me in different areas that will enable me to help our clients even more for areas that I am not knowledgeable in, for areas that I do not have the education in, for areas that I couldn't go to the depths of without potentially doing more harm than good. So what did I do? I built a team like that, right? And when I brought you in, and it's funny that people refer to you as my success coach and don't see you actually above the level I'm at because you're the accredited coach. <laughs> you are the coach out of the two of us. And really... Yes, I know that instinctively I probably had some of those qualities already, but that's only grown more since having you on board. So I think as well, for a lot of coaches, what often happens when they take on a success coach, right? And that's why I call you our head of client development. I don't call you a fucking success coach, right? <laughs> <laughs> just every client else does. <laughs> oh, I, I, just every, everyone else does because that's what they've always been taught. Everyone always tends to bring on, right? And this is what really fucking pisses me off. They bring on ex-clients. And the thing is, the funny thing here is, you were a client, right? Yeah. <laughs> you were a client. <laughs> it was just I, convenient. I, but I, I never, it wasn't, I'm going to bring on Jen because she's a client. She's been through the process. It's because you actually had value to give, yeah. right? Whereas these coaches usually bring on clients who have been successful in the program. That then, like we've had in our, in our program for About for Life, wanting to then go on to learn about working in the industry, which is great if, if you, you develop a passion for that. But too many people bring on their ex-clients as success coaches, their partners as success coaches, people with zero knowledge, right? So then that coach is going away, taking themselves out of delivery and leaving someone uneducated in the role where the client's actually getting less, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you've been in your business for long enough, you probably as well have some degree of coaching quality, right? You might not have a process, you might not have all the answers, but at times it's probably going to shine, at other times it's probably not, right? But when you take yourself out of that business and then you start to make a shit ton more money, morally, that doesn't sit well with me when the clients are getting a shitter service than what they were getting before from someone that, that was a bit more experienced and probably would be able to help guide them through that journey in a bit more of an efficient way than someone that's brand new into the industry without actually then reinvesting the extra money they make into their team to develop that skill. Yeah, 100%. I, it honestly fucks me off so much because I feel like I've seen people do this really well where it has been partners, it has been like clients, it has been people who they've identified who have skill and talent. But skill and talent 
you have to then invest in the education that builds their skill and talent. And do you know the bit really fucks me off the most? See when people hire a success coach and just give them all the shite that they don't want to do. Oh my God. How shite is that for that person? Like you're you're giving them an opportunity to maybe change a career, right? And this is where I think it works really well. I've seen a lot of people whose partners have maybe been in unhappy and unfulfilling jobs and they've been in a financial business position in their business where they can say, come and work in the business, work part-time, you know, raise the kids or work part-time and get some time back for you. Like, you know, if it's an ex-client who's maybe left, like, I mean, that's kind of what happened to us. I was able to leave my job that I didn't like because, you know, working for you helped to build my business. So like, I've seen it work really well in those kind of dynamics and that and that's great. But if you're then just giving that person all the shite that you <laughs> don't want to do, how are you... How are you, this shouldn't be about how can I hire someone to take more off of my plate how can I hire someone so I can do less right this should be how can I hire someone that's going to add more value to the business right so when you think about how you're adding someone with more value to the business yes their skills their drive their characteristics their experience is going to have a lot to do with that but you're then their employer so you have a duty to invest in their continued professional development. You have a duty to make sure that they are educated as necessary on the different things that, that that they need to do. And yes, a lot of that education will come via you, and that's absolutely fine. But they also have a right to career development. They also have a right to carve their own path. They also have a right to like their expertise and their understanding of what they enjoy and yes they might not be a qualified coach they might not be a personal trainer like and I think for it to be done well they don't necessarily always need to be right but they need to have something that they can hang their hat on and say this is what gives me the right to do this role because otherwise then how are they seen in your business are they seen as the person who is just giving all the shite today do you know what I mean like and I think that that's where it comes about in the wrong way and it's funny because even still like we are 50 50 business partners on built to coach and people still think that it's your business that i just work in right and i do think there is an element of sexism in this that people quite a lot of the time will assume that the woman does the secondary role and that the man leads it um so there is an element of that and sexism is absolutely rife in the fitness industry um really really badly some of the shit that i have heard um is honestly phenomenal and i think it's great i love seeing women who I love seeing female CEOs um, who run fitness businesses who have maybe husbands or like males working for them because I know I've spoke to them and they all experience the fucking same thing. But it's just interesting then how people's perceptions don't always equate to skill and qualification level, even though you've said it 5,000 times. I'll still always be seen as your success coach and now I don't I'm doing the admin and your your new venture. Do you know what I mean? Good for you. It's great to see you having all this success on your own, mate. And it's nice that that wee lassie's doing the fucking the typing for you. <laughs> and I, you actually couldn't be more bang on, but I think especially in the cohort that we've got now, like those guys recognize big time and it's because they're such a great fucking Oh, they're class. They're, they're, they're honestly, such a they're, class bunch. We couldn't have asked for better coaches in cohort one. Like we literally couldn't have I put a post in the group last night because I was feeling a bit grateful and I was like, we could not have found better people here. Um but I think they're starting to now open up and see the value you can add. Cause I think a lot of them, the ones that knew me that joined prior to it, probably thought that my input was going to be far more than, than yours. 
But mm-hmm. I think the fact that we've started off with your expertise has kind of laid the foundations to be like, right, okay, this bitch means business. <laughs> yeah, surprise, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting there on the webinar. It's not, no way. Not really yep, I'll say I've heard this. <laughs> um, and I, I think um, when we go back to when we go back to like the kind of sexism part and like female CEOs like of fitness businesses, I love it. Like. I always find it a bit weird when men just work with women in the industry. You know, what I, mean? oh, like, I always, me. I always, it's have maybe, like, it's maybe a judgmental thing, but it's a red flag for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and don't get me wrong. Like, there's certain guys that can do it. Like, obviously, we've got a lot of women in our program, and I think that's down to the fact that I am a big fucking woman as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, but I think when people don't have those maybe feminine qualities, like it comes across. Like I don't really know how to describe it. It's just a bit. I, I think it's. I think it's more about how I think you attract a, a whole spectrum of people because you you treat people on the basis of their characteristics and their personality traits and who they are as a person and their values. You don't make assumption on the basis of their gender that they're going to be a certain way. And I think that's just from experience of working with like so many different clients, both women and men, whose characteristics couldn't have been predicted by the fact that they were a woman or a man. My issue with it, with men who work with female only, I I think from the other side, I don't know many women who work with men only, so I can't really comment on that. My issue with it is that they make assumptions based on the women that they have worked with on what women are like to work with. Mm. So they make assumptions that... um, like women are less I don't know I don't I don't even know what the assumptions would be but I think that what happens is they make assumptions on the basis of how women are and how women respond to coaching and the type of coaching that women expect I think some of them think that it's easier and that they can just talk about their fuck they just want to talk about their fucking feelings so as long as I'm there to sit and talk about their feelings they'll be absolutely fine so it's just an assumption that all of these women I'm going to work with are the same because they're women. So I'm going to choose to specialise in women only because, you know, I just think that that's going to be easier. And I also think there's definitely some fucking Freudian shit going on there. If you're a guy that only wants to work with women, like you probably need to speak to a therapist. <laughs> just saying. Mummy issues. Yeah, 100%. I, I hope as well, like from this conversation, from a, from a client's perspective or anyone that's potentially looking to invest, as you said at the start, this kind of opens your eyes up to maybe things in the industry that you wouldn't recognize or you mm-hmm. wouldn't know. And listen, like we've spoke a lot about the fact that you can get someone that extra 20%. You might be someone who invests in a coach and you've already got good foundations. You've got the ability, you've got the skills, you take orders well, you take feedback well, like that is fine. The teaching, the mentoring, that'll work for you. But see if you know that there's more barriers that stand in your way. This isn't me saying that there's not coaches out there that can help you because they've never been through what we do. There are a lot of coaches that I know well that instinctively coach well from a good place. Yeah, um, and you just need to make sure that you're constantly doing your due diligence with it. Like, yeah. I always think it's a red flag if you're going into a program and not getting the highest possible level of service for everything that you need at any given time. So that's mm-hmm. not just, okay, when you come in, we're going to get you to this goal by any means possible. It's mm-hmm. actually that the fluidity of it changes throughout as you continue to run into barriers and obstacles and you don't yeah. feel judged and you feel like you can be open, honest and transparent. You feel as though 
you you have a, a safe place where you can really trust the people that you're working alongside because you know that regardless of what's going on, you can take it to them and they will help and they will hold that space and they'll not force you to get to where you need to be quicker if it's actually going to do you more harm. And I actually, I was out recording content last week and um, one of the, spoiler alert, one of the reels that i done was um, on the fact that we, specifically inside Built for Life, I don't like posting progress pictures of people until I know that they've went through the kind of transformational process as we see it from the journey that they're on, right? Yeah. See if someone has fucking developed disordered eating patterns just to get mm-hmm. to See if someone is behind closed doors still fucking freaking their bean all the time, needing to be talked down off a fucking ledge multiple times per week, but they have got the result. And I've said this multiple times before, a fucking monkey can get a result, right? Stick the calories, stick the training plan. See if you've got like the will and the desire and the resilience and the discipline to do it, even when things are shit, but you are still having all these other problems. I don't feel confident posting your pictures. Because what does that do? It sells people into this program in 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 a very unrealistic way and paints a picture that, things have been perfect. Yeah. Why whenever I give a debrief on like transformation posts as well, I talk through the difficulties that clients have yeah. and the things that they ran into along the way that prevented this from being as quick as other people might have expected to see it. Because yeah. what you do is you'll see 12-week transformation challenges, eight-week transformation challenges, and you'll go, I can't believe that was achieved in X amount of time. And we spoke last time about the kind of ideal, like how people will especially coaches, coaches will have an ideal outcome of what you can achieve within a particular time frame. I know I can get two stone a body fat off someone in 12 weeks, right? Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean that they can based upon their skill, yeah. their ability, their lifestyle, everything, their past experiences. So I know that that is possible. But if I always sold on the ideal and basically gave someone a guarantee and a promise on social media of what could happen within this particular time frame, without actually being open and honest about the challenges that they might see. It's yeah. morally incorrect. And I know that we've even had clients before who are going through that process of growth that have taken longer. And they'll even come and be like, oh, I know I know one of my pals that done this transformation challenge and um, got this result in 12 weeks. I'm like, you're not your pal. Mm-hmm. As much as you would like to be, you're not mm-hmm. your pal. Plus, I also know from that transformation challenge, they signed up 250 people and they've only got 50 people at the photo shoot day. So only 50 mm-hmm. people have got a result. What happened to the other 200 people? Because yeah. things are always just, okay, this is week one, this is week two, this is week three. We check in with you, yes, but the plan never changes. Yeah. Actually, how can we make you adhere to this plan this week? Because this is yeah. exactly what you have to do to achieve this goal. So it might be a case that there's things that we can move about to help facilitate it. But regardless, you need to do every fucking single thing here. Yeah. And see, after your photo shoot, fuck off. Bye. (laughs) After photo shoot, fuck off. You know, because what do we want? We want great um, results and we want pictures to be able to market for our next intake so that it's bigger, it's better, and we make more money. Yeah, 100%. And I think think what we do really well in Built for Life is we... We help people navigate the buffer between idealistic and realistic. So if you're too focused on the realistic, then you're not stretching, you're not growing, you're not pushing past your potential. If you're too focused on the idealistic, then you're constantly pushing for a standard that you are not capable of achieving. And I feel like we help people navigate like the up and down and the ebb and flow between realistic and idealistic because the reality is, is that you will bounce between both of those for a while before you find like a steady, 
equilibrium that maybe just gradually like has a slow gradual incline like you know those ski lifts Yeah. Like, and the issue that I see, and the issue that comes with not having strong and solid foundations and coaching practice is that when the client wants a realistic, you coach them to get the realistic. When the client wants the idealistic, you coach them to get the idealistic. Then they're back at the realistic, and you think
that I am trying to create and I am trying to go after. That puts you on a platform, right, where you are desirable, you're inspirational, you demonstrate your knowledge and your ability to stand by what you see you do, right, and they, and support their ability to do that. The issue that I watch it happen, or where I watch it happen quite a lot, is that coaches expect doing these things and doing the hard shit to make them better at their job or to change their client's viewpoint of them. So they think that by doing this thing, my clients will view me in a different way, it will give me more authority and they will treat me differently, right? Literally not going to happen. They're going to go, wow, that's great that you ran that marathon, good for you and then move on with their lives. Because whether you like it or not, they've not hired you to be the Tony Robbins that lives in their phone. They've hired you to get them a result. So they're not really going to give a fuck. However, over time, if you continue to demonstrate how different you are from them in the name of it giving you authority, all this does is puts you in a pedestal. So the more you create distance between what they're like and what you're like, the higher and higher and higher and higher the pedestal becomes, the more out of reach you become as a coach and then the more unrelatable you become. So Jeanette, who wants to lose a couple of stone for her holiday, goes, well, that lassie who keeps doing fucking triathlons obviously doesn't struggle with this same issue or understand how I struggle with this issue. You, on the other hand, are going, I'm running fucking triathlons. I'm a hybrid athlete. I'm a high performer. I don't want to work with cunts like Jeanette who want to get two stone after for their holiday. So you create this huge gap and this huge void in the coaching relationship where you're out of touch and unrelatable to them and you think that you're beyond working with those people now you will outgrow your clients you will outgrow the people that you work with and that's okay this is why it's really really important to continually check in with you as a coach what you seek to achieve the kind of people that you want to work with the kind of results that you want to get them right because the type of people that you are attracted to that you get a fire lit in you from working with will evolve as you grow and evolve. So wanting to work with different people as you grow and evolve is not a bad thing whatsoever. But you have to make sure that the people that you are working with are relatable to you, that you're relatable to them, and that you don't put yourself on that pedestal where you're so out of touch. Both of you question why you're working with each other. And the more you pedestal yourself as this perfect idealistic person I know we're um, I'm rambling on right and I promise I will end this soon but I, this is another thing that I did a reel on um, that Aaron I, I genuinely asked me a question about was when coaches say um, I didn't want to do I don't want to do this run but I get it done I don't want to go to the gym but I got it done I don't want to do these things day in day out but I get them done every fucking day why are you selling me misery right I need to know that once I get to this goal and I'm in that life of maintenance, that there is some form of enjoyment in it. Because see, if you're telling me that every single day you're fucking eating your egg whites and drinking your protein shake and going to your training session and doing your running, living your life this way and hating every fucking minute of it, I don't want to do any of this shit, but I got them to do it. Why is that desirable to me? Like, why, why would I think, oh, that sounds fucking class. I can't wait for that to be me, right? I want you to think of yourself more as an aspirational figure. Being an aspirational figure platforms you where you're an ambassador for the lifestyle. This is how I want all coaches to think, right? I'm an ambassador of the lifestyle and I am an ambassador of the end result. So how do I be an inspiration and an ambassador of this and support people to understand that 
it is very realistic and within their reach to live in the same way and that I can support them to get there, both with my experience and knowledge and expertise, but with the coaching process that I've created with them in mind to meet them where they are now, instead of trying to hold them to the standard of what I am doing now. Because the more you hold them then to that standard, the more they're going to think, no way I'm going to tell that cunt that I, I fall pack at a custard creams on Friday night because he eats fucking raw eggs and runs marathons for breakfast, right? Oh. Like, why would, that's not, you're not going to be able to relate to that. They're going to judge me. They're so, like, it, it just creates too much distance and it makes your pedestal so high that the coaching dynamic can't work anymore. So if you're intensely triggered by this, one, DM me and we can have a chat about it. Um, and two, think about how you bring yourself off of the pedestal. Put yourself more onto the platform. And spoiler alert, a lot of this comes with being more comfortable and accepting of who you are instead of pushing yourself to these massive performance goals that you think are going to create a personality for you. You can't buy a personality and performance goals so be more accepting and realistic of who you actually are and decide the actions and the goals that help to supplement that and grow that not change it mic drop moment mic drop and i'm also running a marathon uh, for breakfast tomorrow but i'm just going to leave the egg whites so i don't come across as much well i just have a pint of raw <laughs> eggs mate and then i'll text <laughs> you about the chocolate covered custard creams <laughs> at 8am <laughs> the other day if anyone's looking for a new biscuit by the way chocolate covered custard creams dangerous <laughs> Unreal. Um, and there's actually an MS food over here. Have I told you that before? I think so. I did only have two, though. I didn't eat the full packet, which is huge fucking days for me. That's, that's progress, especially after hitting some PBs yesterday on the fucking intervals. But I easy. know, but they're not interval PBs, are not real PBs. Let's be honest. Still, I know they're not pure PBs, but they're PBs broken down. So, listen, if the watch says it, it's true. The watch also know. says that I'm moments from death, though. So, <laughs> I'll just I'll use my own coaching bias to select the information that I want to. 100%, 100%, but that's a good place to finish. Hopefully this has been uh, valuable, guys. We're now on over uh, 4,000 downloads, which has been classic. No way. Are we actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't so, believe that many cunts are selectively listening to the shite that we talk. I think it's probably the, well, we've done, this is episode 41, so it must be like the same 100 cunts listening. So We call you cunts in a nice way. You guys know that by yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to run a poll if you please can vote on it and tell me if you actually listen to the podcast, because I don't know about you, but I feel like this is just like the wee chat. See, because we talk, we will have conversations like this when we're not in the podcast. It's just less filtered um, and more like cunty. Um, I just assume that this is just me and you having a wee conversation and then a couple of our clients listen and then that's that. But see the amount of people who came out the woodwork and like, oh, I listened. I loved the podcast last week. And I'm like, I didn't even know you listened. 100%. So I'm going to run a poll and then vote in it and tell me if you actually listen. Aye, listen, I'll I'll be fucking first there. I'll be hitting yes. (laughs) Listen back to critique your own performance. I know, I know. But guys, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. Um, If you want to keep sharing so that we get even more listens, that would be great. I do think, um, and that might be my bias here, that we've got some decent enough stuff to say. Um, So if we could uh, spread the word, especially if you're a a coach for a cohort to a book coach. Yeah, (laughs) spread the word, spread the word. Uh, But Jen, thank you for your expertise. Absolutely class uh, recording today. Probably one of the best yet. Getting better. Happy days. Over out, team. Cheerio, bye.